Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or growing your family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. This episode is sponsored by Mercy, Iowa City. We invite you to like and subscribe to our Talks podcast wherever you listen. I'm Kelly with North Liberty Library, and I welcome you to the Stork Storytime Talks podcast. The COVID pandemic and its loss has produced a form of collective grief of which many of us have been directly impacted. With the novel virus resulting in nearly one out of 600 Americans dead from COVID-19 at the timestamp of this episode, Many parents and guardians are searching for answers on how to navigate this conversation with their children. That's where today's guest steps in to lend some heartfelt advice. Leanne Tibiatowski is a certified trauma support professional specializing in grief and bereavement therapy. She's worked with families, grief circles, and support groups in the San Diego area which includes her facilitation work with the Jenna Druck Foundation and serving as the associate producer of Oprah and Deepak's 21-day meditation experience. Today, she's been gracious enough to share her thoughts on the emotional impact of COVID on both parents and their children and to provide some insight on how to best structure those conversations. Welcome, Leanne. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this conversation. If there was ever a time that was critical for us to come together, share our resources, our support, our wisdom, our good thoughts and intentions, now is it. And the conversation about grief, loss, and bereavement is one that I'm really passionate about. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a bit more about you and your work with grief and bereavement facilitation. The story starts when I was working with the Jenna Druck Foundation. Well, actually, it was the Jenna Druck Center when I left that organization. And that was a legacy nonprofit that was founded to honor the life of Jenna Druck, a young woman who lost her life when studying at semester at sea. Her parents started this foundation, which would later be like a center for grief resources, to not only honor her with one of her programs, but also to increase grief literacy. I had the honor of serving as the program director for both programs, Families Helping Families was the bereavement program. And we did support groups, grief education workshops. We went out and consulted with at workplaces experiencing losses, school communities, whole communities, facilitating town hall meetings. And we worked with children's teens and families. It was really beautiful work. During that time, I worked very closely with Dr. Ken Druck, and he really gifted me with a lot of my understanding about grief and how to facilitate conversations where people understand the normal experience of grief. It's a common denominator for all of us. And how to honor that experience and to facilitate healing. He was a really powerful mentor for me. During that time, I also became a certified 
Bereavement Facilitator with the American Academy of Bereavement. And most currently, I work with Groundswell Community Project here in San Diego. It's a surf therapy program offering surf therapy for women navigating trauma. And in response to the COVID pandemic, we started a Waves of Grief ocean-centered grief support group. And I'm also a certified trauma support specialist, studied at the Arizona Trauma Institute and tested through Trauma Institute International. Wow. That- <laughs> That's a lot. And I mean, it seems like throughout your career trajectory, grief literacy has been paramount in why you do what you do. What inspired you to get into that work and what's inspired you to keep going? It was by chance that I met Dr. Kendrick and had that opportunity. And I was blown away at the concept that most of us as Americans don't accept or aren't taught that grief is a fundamental human experience. And by not being taught that and being actually taught the opposite, to get over it, to get through it, to get back in action, you know, are you still thinking about that? Get over it. That hurts us. So to learn that there are some simple keys to provide health, well-being, acceptance, and flow through this normal life cycle of loss that we all experience has helped me personally. It's helped me to create impact in the community. And it's just really one of the things that I feel like I'm here for. I love that this is your life's mission and that you've had such an integral part in that, you know, from grief counseling individuals to whole communities. I think that is absolutely remarkable. Now, during most mentions of COVID loss, I want to recenter it back to COVID a bit. Rarely are the thoughts and emotions of children ever factored into the conversation. You know, if we hear about someone who is a parent leaving children behind, in any case, we do talk about the aspect of the children, what will happen with the children. But when it comes to that emotional factoring, thinking about those feelings and what comes up for children, that's rarely considered in conversations, particularly when it comes to the pandemic. Why do you think that is? Why don't we talk more about children and their feelings? And how do we expand that conversation? The number one thing that I think leads to this omission is grief literacy, understanding it as the adults leading the way. Mm -hmm. We're not taught to understand, acknowledge, process, and be with our grief and our losses. How are we going to model that to anyone else? Now, this is a really complex situation because we have an extraordinary thing happening right now, a pandemic. There hasn't been a pandemic in my lifetime, and I've been on this earth for a minute. And that has come with tremendous loss of survival-related things, the way the education is delivered the way that we're visiting people that are ill or not visiting, our rituals, like funerals are all being lost. Plus, there is a great number of humans being lost. So this is a complex situation. I just needed to call that out. Yeah, I think that's important to note because sometimes when we talk about loss and we want to make sure the audience understands, we're not just talking about human loss. We're talking about rituals, loss of rituals, loss of our idea of how education is rendered. So yes, that's Mm -hmm. a wonderful point. 
hugs, smiles, playtime, all of that. And so when I talk through this with you, I'm going to kind of look at it from a communal approach as a community, because we could talk for hours about developmental tips for different ages as related to death or as related to big paradigm losses or shifts. So just going to try and keep it more higher level. How can we as a community support each other as parents and to our youth? The third thing I want to say about that question is our tendency to say children are resilient. Mm -hmm. That's the answer. What's going to happen? They haven't been to school for a year. Now all of a sudden they're going back into a very busy stimulating situation where they haven't been for a whole year. Children are resilient, right? Right. Well, I think that we're all resilient Mm -hmm. and that's an incomplete statement because being resilient can be very challenging to get to that place of well-being without attending to the health impact, the mental and physical health impact to significant grief and loss we're not serving our youth. It's a dismissal statement to me. So, And do you think that adults say this because not only are they dismissing the children's feelings, it's because they don't know how to confront their own feelings. Absolutely. So when you ask me, how do we expand this conversation? That's one of the most important things for a foundation for helping anyone else is to increase your understanding And the Groundswell Community Project and our Waves of Grief programs, we center the experience on a few things, but we start with this grief education and we use the Griever's Bill of Rights. We've adapted it from the Mourner's Bill of Rights from Alan D. Wolfett. And because our definition of grief in these times includes the loss of work, education, rituals, holidays, And so I just wanted to share four of the 10 just to provide a little bit of grief education right here. And then we can go from there. So the first one is you have the right to experience your own unique grief. Just calling out that everyone is going to experience a different. You are, I am, our children are, grandma is, the school counselor is, and that's normal. You have the right to move toward your grief and heal. So important. You don't have to go around it. You don't have to hurry up. You don't have to get over it. Because if you think you're going to do that, it's going to be underneath there. Feel the thing, whatever that thing is. You have the right to experience grief bursts. Why I think that is important is Grief doesn't have a timeline or an agenda that fits our daily schedule. So you might have big feelings. You and your children and the youth that you're around might have big feelings that happen when you're in the grocery store, when you're walking to your class. The more that we can know that it's normal to have waves of many types of feelings, it might be manifesting in sadness, you might feel irritable, anxious, very sad uncomfortable in your body like there's many manifestations of that and it can happen anytime so by knowing that it's acknowledging or calling out you're not crazy this is normal for it to pop up on its own time Mm -hmm. and then the last one i want to call out which i 
love in our waves of grief circles. And I think it's really helpful for all of us and especially working with children is you have the right to make use of ritual. We have had a lot of our traditions taken away right now that would help us navigate through some situations. And so when we talk about some strategies a little bit later, that will be a theme that we'll come back to is the use of ritual. And ritual doesn't have to be fancy. It can be lighting a candle. Yeah. And this is the Grievers Bill of Rights. We'll be sure to provide a link. You have a blog link that outlines all 10. So I will definitely link that in the show notes so that our audience can reference that as well. You can actually reference it now while you're listening to us. So you can get clear on the Grievers Bill of Rights. Is that a good framework for parents who want to have that conversation about COVID loss with their children to work with? If not, what would you say would be a good starting point for parents who are trying to have a conversation with their children about COVID loss? That's a great question. I think that it is one tool out of a few tools that can be used. And it can just be something that one at a time is read, you know, and you just have a family discussion and talk about, does this make sense to you? What does this mean to you? But I would add a little bit more to that. When working with children and also increasing our personal education about grief and understanding and feeling all of our big feelings and sensations, first take a deep breath and be yourself. We never have all the answers in life, and we all have to learn how to navigate in uncertainty. And when you as the adult model that you don't have all the answers, that's powerful. It humanizes you in the experience. So humanizing yourself and normalizing grief, making it okay to talk about it and feel about it is one of two strategies. And I recommend calling a family meeting or family circles where you can discuss that it's healthy and normal to have feelings when there's a loss. The movie Shrek from Disney, he said it best, better out than in. Talk and express your feelings. Mm -hmm. Create a safe space where there's no repercussions. You know, create this new thing. Hey, we are in this together. And we're going to talk about this, and I don't have all the answers, but we're going to make our way through it together by just talking about it. It's powerful. Remembering to be honest is really important when talking about grief. It's an uncomfortable conversation when we're talking about death, for example. And we might have the tendency to use concepts that are not grounded, like grandma's in heaven. Well, where is heaven? You know, and there's different developmental stages, but going back to that communal approach, it's just being clear. Grandma has died, which means she's not coming back. Her body stopped working. Mm-hmm. Helps a child's brain to digest Right. when we're talking about loss and being patient with lots of questions and checking in, asking that again and again. And then when we are talking about these huge losses, for children, not being able to get into school is the social aspect is so critical for development. We can be honest by saying we don't know what's next, but we will get through this and make our way through this together. Calling out that we don't know yes. and finding our strength in togetherness. That is absolutely vital. I think, you know, on a personal level, I am learning to be more comfortable with saying I don't know and also telling my children 
that I don't know. I think sometimes it's difficult for adults to admit they don't know, but it is twice as difficult for those same adults to admit they don't know to their children because we feel like our children look to us for infinite answers. But it's important that we show them that we're human and that we don't always have the answers and that we not only are that transparent with them, but that we use that as an opportunity to connect together to hopefully find some answers together. 100%. I'd almost call it a superpower, the willingness to be vulnerable and to say, I don't know. I haven't done this before, but we're going to figure it out. I'm going to yeah. figure out things. We're going to figure it out together. It's such a powerful modeling. Another thing that there's one other part in this talk about it section before I get into the managing the day to day is to ask questions because the children, the youth, they will tell you if prompted. And so you're on a fact finding mission to understand where they're at and also make it okay to talk like, what do you miss from life before lockdowns? This could be in your family circle. Maybe you do it once a week. Maybe you do it once a month. What do you feel like today, right now? Where do these big feelings of frustration perhaps or impatience or boredom or sadness, where do they live in your body? What does it feel like? Does it have a color, a sound? a movement. Draw it. Have crayons. Breathe deep and send love to those places. You know, just get them to connecting to their body, identifying what the feeling feels like and where it lives in them. You can do so many things. I feel like I need to write more about this and have another blog, but letting go rituals, letting go of the big feelings, because it is possible to have joy in the process of grief. And that can be in the way of having a moment where you turn the music on and you dance together as a family. It's very grounding and alive. Sing together, swim, play in honor of life. We don't have the answers and there's a lot of difficult things happening, but we have this moment. I love how you keep coming back to community and connection because I think that's exactly what children want to hear. When their routines are interrupted, when the lives of those they've come to love and know are interrupted. It is important that there's some kind of continuity in their lives because children, and I think some adults also, love ritual. They love the routine. So if there's any way that we can continue the trend of connection, I think that's helpful. So I'm glad you come back to that over and over again. Now, death is hard to verbalize especially for small children. And that's why I also like that you tell it in plain, you know, grandma died, her body stopped working. That is intuitive language to help smaller children understand those concepts. My question is with the national attention with COVID going on and all of the media outlets, you know, we live in a 24-hour news cycle. COVID has been the talk of that news cycle for at least the past 18 months. We're just coming up on a year with the pandemic, but it's been in the stratosphere for almost 18 months. What can parents do when it comes to navigating the media's messages about the virus? How do they interrupt that constant messaging and reassure the child that the scare and the news that they're reading may be a bit inflated for other reasons, but that they're making sure that they're coming to their parents and not just the media for information on COVID. That is such a valuable question. I'm so glad that you asked it. First, I'll say simply, 
limit media exposure. Limit your media exposure, limit your family and your children's media exposure. But also going back to that, we don't know all the answers and we're in this together and we're helping each other figure it out. Talk about the media. Help create the space between the messages where we're standing back as the observer and seeing it as a resource we use to collect information and practice knowing when to turn it off. When is it helpful? When is it a helper tool? And when is it a harmful tool? And how can you tell? Feel your body. If your nervous system starts to pulse high and start firing, that's probably a good time to stop. If it's igniting fear, anxiety, uncertainty, turn it off and teach them that they have the power to observe, reflect, feel, and make a new choice. And then I would say in this case in particular, spend time talking about what you can do because all we're hearing is pretty horrific messages on amplified looping repeat. And so spending time talking about what you can do is powerful because then you're not helpless. So we can build strong bodies. We can eat well. We can exercise. We can make sure we're getting sleep we can make sure that we're getting connection. Human connection is part of a self-care tactic. And so we might not be able to do it the way we have been able to do it, but we can get very creative and make sure that we are connecting. Play. We can play. We can have fun. And a really important one is nature time. And nature time is accessible in urban areas also in the form of neighborhood walks. I do these all the time. Look for the beauty. Where are the flowers? Where are the clouds? Where are the birds? Where are the butterflies? Really powerful tool. Absolutely. You shared so much helpful information with our parents and guardians and caregivers out there listening right now. What are some other additional resources adults can utilize to further help children understand COVID and its related loss? There are a lot of resources to understand COVID. That itself is not my area of expertise, but what I would offer to you are a few things. It's different in every state. So I just think that support groups are powerful. Art therapy is powerful and you don't need an art therapist to be having art therapy, doing art together. There's books and films that can be accessed. I'm going to write another blog. So I'm going to put together some recommended um, resources that can be linked to talking, talking, talking. And um, there was a couple things that I didn't get to say that I'll tag on in here. One of them is to stay on the pulse of these feelings on the daily as a way to manage and creating a daily ritual of just asking what was difficult today and what was the best part of the day is a way to get it out and then to ground it with something positive. Offer self-regulation for big feelings and sensations like breathing, take three deep breaths, scan your environment, and a gratitude practice is really powerful for adults and children, but really for children because Gratitude has been proven in science to shift our chemistry. When we feel hopeless, we can actually access hope by starting to name the things we are grateful for. Even three in the morning and three at night. Gratitude is so, so very important. Thank you for mentioning that. I had to do it. 
<laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Leanne, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm really confident that our audience has gained some great information from everything talking about grief literacy to the need for connection, which can exist despite the physical loss and despite the physical routines and rituals that we're used to, that connection can still be a part of our daily lives in this pandemic state. Can you tell us where our listeners can learn more about you and the work you've been doing? You can check out the work that I'm doing around trauma and grief on one of my websites. It's in to clarity, I N the number two clarity.com. That's where the blog is that was spoken about. And I'm definitely going to aim to write another blog just to outline some of these and have some more of the loss, the death-related loss rituals to do with children. So that's a good resource. And you can reach me by email there. It's my first name and last name, Leanne Tibiatowski at gmail.com, which I'm sure will be in your show notes. I'm happy to answer any questions that I can and help point to resources as needed to any of the listeners in your community. I'll have you hold on for just a moment, but I wanted to thank you again for sharing your expertise and insight on navigating children through COVID loss. This is Kelly with the North Liberty Library, and we are inviting you to visit us at northlibertylibrary.org to learn more about our library virtual programming and services. Thanks again to our sponsor, Mercy Iowa City.